Hey, this is the What's Good Podcast. I'm Lee. And I'm Eric. And we're going to talk about comic book stuff, like we always do. <laughs> and and movies. but Comic book movies. <laughs> yeah, comic book movies. <laughs> and with, some other stuff. With the occasional ballet performance. Yeah, we have no plan, and this is going to be unedited, so prepare for a train wreck. <laughs> I'm going to suggest you just continue what you're talking about. We were talking about... Um, oh, yeah, Civil War Two. Civil War Two, right. Um... The the uh, much anticipated sequel to 2006's Civil War storyline, right. written by Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, yeah. yeah, let me confirm that so I don't yeah. make an ass of myself. And we're, I mean, we'll, we're going to talk very soon about the movie that just came out, um, the Captain America Civil War film. Um, we both enjoyed, but we want to lead into that first with just the the update on the new comic. So uh, the original Civil War, and I should have known this, and I'm an idiot, was Mark Miller, who wrote Kick-Ass mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. He's really, really good. Okay. Um, he wrote the seven main issues of Civil War. Got it. And, of course, the tie-ins and everything else was written by its respective authors. Okay. So Mark Miller. All right. Yep. And so, yeah. So Civil War Two, I believe, started with Iron- Invincible Iron Man number 7. Um, and that's been a great series so far. I, I read the first four, and I kind of lost track of it, but now that I know it's tying in, um, I'm going to catch up to that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Black Panther's related a little bit. You read it. There's I haven't. Black Panther number one just came out. Yeah, I, and I, I'll... Well, okay, I'll get into this now then. Um, so, uh, just for those... I mean, again, this is... We had... A, I'm not as into comics in my past as Lee is, so if you're just watching this or listening to the show now... You'll know that uh, I'm kind of a newbie, so some of the stuff I say is going to sound really stupid to the regular comic book fan. But um, what I knew about <laughs> not Black- as stupid as the shit I say about the Spurs <laughs> <laughs> in our other podcast, yeah. <laughs> it's the, the the sweep that wasn't no, yeah, that, forget it. Hey, that was a misunderstanding. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> I can attack you on a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Black Panther was a character that was introduced to me through the cartoon series uh, of the Avengers. Uh, I think Avengers Earth's, Earth's Mightiest Heroes is what it was called. Yep. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that was the one because there's two of them. One of them sucked. One of them was great. Mm-hmm. So whatever the better one was. The Earth's Mightiest Heroes was the good one. And Avengers, Avengers Assemble, Assemble was, was the mediocre one. Yeah, yeah. Which I still haven't gotten through because whatever. I have better things to do with my time. Right. Um, okay, so Black Panther was introduced and I really liked that character in the storyline. He's always been an awesome character. And... So then, you know, when it was announced that he's gonna be part of Civil War, at least in a little little blip, I'm like, okay, great, you know, yep. let's see what he has. Yep. And uh, and the way that movie was, we'll probably get into it in, in a little bit. Everybody had their time to shine. Yeah, you know? everybody, even Hawk, Hawkeye, <laughs> even Hawkeye, even Hawkeye, even Ant Man, even everybody. Yeah. yeah, everybody had an opportunity. So Black Panther was was you know less. so um, for free comic book day, which I know you don't support as much. I mean, and. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with it, but you can get what, what you want. You share with the listeners. Why. My problem with it, and the problem that a lot of comic book store owners have with it, is that the two, the three big comic book companies, Image, Marvel, and DC, all promote the shit out of this. They spend a ton of money promoting Free Comic Book Day to get people into reading comics, and they print out all these special issues that are, in my opinion, kind of worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, like these free sampler issues to give out at comic book stores, but the comic book stores have to pay for all of these issues that they, that they are forced to give out for free. I mean, they're not forced to, but people are going to show up for free comic book day and they better have the stuff to give away, you know? Right. So they're um, hoping that it brings in a little extra business, and I'm sure it does, but um, they have to pay for these hundreds of issues that they're giving away for free on their dime, you know? Okay. So it's kind of a... I don't know... I, I don't know if shady is the right word, but it's not a great practice. And you feel like comic book stores are kind of under the power. They can't do much about it. Right, because it's a huge known event that people show up to, um, and you're kind of expected to be a part of that. Okay. All right. Well, I was one of those people that showed up, so my apologies to you, uh, although not really. I... um, (laughs) And I picked up uh, five comics from, uh, I might as well say, because there was a really nice guy. His name is Randy, who owns Rogue's Gallery in uh, North Austin. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've never, never been there. Yeah, no, it was a nice nice store. Uh, I still think Tribe is my, my, my favorite one. Great um, store. Yeah. Um, and I do want to give shout-outs to, to you know, 
And um, if you're looking for old comics in Austin, the Austin Books and Comics Sidekick sells a ton of back issues for either cover price or a dollar, depending on when they when they came out. And that's where you got some of the question comics. Yeah, I right? got the um, 2000 and something run, six issue run of the question. Okay. Vargas, I think his name was. Oh, oh the, the author? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, knowing where to go get stuff is important <laughs> on here. So Austin Books and Comics, and I guess they have a store on the side called The Sidekick, right? Yep. Um, I've not been there. Um, Tribe I've been to. Uh, Dragon's Lair, I know there's like a little bit of a chain. There's one in San Antonio also, I, I believe. Uh, but Dragon's Lair is probably the biggest one here in Austin. And that's off of, I think, North Lamar. Um, yeah, and they're, and they're a good store too. They're great. You know, They're, they're just massive yep. with their selection. Yep. They got like a lot of shirts and merchandise and what, what have you. Everybody there who works there is super knowledgeable. Knows yeah. everything about everything. So, but yeah, so Rogues Gallery, I, I would definitely uh, check that out. It's probably the smallest one of the, the bunch. The question writer is Rich Vach, Rick Vach. Vach. I think that's how you say it. Is and, it V E I T C H? Um, yeah. Okay. And it was, it was good. It was interesting. Yeah. yeah. I liked the concept. I think he needed a couple more issues to flesh it out. Right. Um, and I really liked, um, like, kind of the point of the story is that. From the outside perspective, it looks like Superman saving the day, but it's really question doing work in the underground, right? Um, on the street level, that actually is is accomplishing what it appears Superman is accomplishing to the public and to Superman, which works for the question because he wants to be as unknown as possible. Yeah, and they kind of introduce this cool sort of thing where he can see the chi of the city and how energy flows and stuff like that. He, he turned it into a little bit more of a supernatural character. Rather than a straight up detective, and I, I have I have mixed emotions about that. Um, I'm glad we're talking about it now, okay? Because now we have, a, a, I guess, a channel to do that. I, I I'm a big big question fan, okay? Yeah. And this is again from a one of the uh, just uh, Justice League Unlimited cartoons that I, I even discovered who this character was. Yeah. Right. So once again, I didn't grow up reading the guy, but I'm a fan of his. But I guess the reason I was a fan of his is that he had kind of a Batman quality, which was a guy, not a supernatural being, a guy that was just so determined to do what's right. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people say that he's the one detective that Batman looks up to, like in terms of. Well, Batman said it. Yeah. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> so mean, did he say it in the Justice League yeah. episode? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did, he did give a direct shout out and compliment to the question for that. So great. So question is the greatest detective in the DC universe, right? Um, and he's unique, the whole uh, mystery wrapped in an enigma thing with the face and stuff. And I love right. that he's a, he's a, actually a celebrity in his normal face, in his yeah, normal... as uh, a reporter. As a reporter. As a journalist. Uh, Vic Sage, Victor yeah. Sage or whatever. Uh, and everybody knows him. So it's this wonderful double meaning of... He's almost like the anti-Peter Parker for Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay? Where Peter Parker is nobody. Yeah. But he's this wonderful superhuman, just... You know, mini god that can do anything and save people. Yeah, because he, he and that's why he does it. He does it because he can, mm-hmm. right? And then the question is obviously that means you know the, the the end is the same where he's trying to help people and, and do what's right. But it's the opposite where he does have a lot of influence mm-hmm. and power. Um, but as a journalist, you still have limitations. Yeah, so he gets dirty, right? So he cover he has this you know kind of skin that Face, over, well he has the. He's always Spray. wearing it, but he has the gas from his belt buckle that right. turns his hair a different color, turns his clothes a different color, and uh, makes his face look featureless. Right. And that, that means that – and he can get a little rowdy with what he does to, in the underground and kind of get dirty yeah. you know, to, to accomplish and that. he's Which, skilled in hand-to-hand combat. Very, you know, very skilled. And, and, and so, so he can go in, and he's brilliant, he's smart, and he could take care of the dirty work and let, let people like Superman take the credit, right? Yep. This mysticism thing, like, it fits, okay? Yeah. It doesn't not fit, but it's a decision that I guess they just went with, and I'm not sure if I, if I, if I like. Yeah, but I appreciate what they do because it's by taking leaps like that that you accomplish great new developments in the character. You need, like, five misses to get one huge hit. Right. Um, so I appreciate that they did that, and I enjoyed it. But it's not what I... Maybe the biggest thing I had with it is that it wasn't what I was expecting. And maybe that's on me. Maybe it's on me too, you know. Yeah, because uh, yeah, now, now I got to think like, okay, the question... His, his super, he, he does have a superpower. Because mm-hmm. you know, at the end, it wasn't even just knowing 
what was going on through the chi energy. Yep. He was fighting people yep. with the energy. Yep. Like not touching him yep. and still knocking him off balance. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that was an enjoyable series. And uh, why did we... Oh, because that was that sidekick, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, anyways, yeah, yeah, Rogue's Gallery got some free comics there. I guess the the first issue of Civil War II... Um, Not the first issue, a prelude. A prelude. Yeah. To the beginning of Civil War II was there. And uh, so, I got that for free. Mm-hmm. But I decided to pay... Oh, this whole point. I decided to pay for the first Black Panther yep. issue um, that had come out. And, uh, and I read it. And it was good. You know, I, I'll, yeah. I'll even say it was very good. I just didn't understand a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, because be- it's in the middle of whatever's the road to civil wars that's going on is. I yeah. think I think it's related. I'm I'm not positive. The beginning of it is like he, he there's a little bit of background announced in there, and I think he uh, he was Black Panther, and then he wasn't for a while, and like his sister Shuri or whatever took over for a while, and yeah. she was killed. Mm-hmm. And he came back to Wakanda, and he became Black Panther again. And since I guess he had to go fight in a civil war, maybe maybe that's right. He was fighting in something other thing. Yeah. And so something something's been happening to Wakanda because it was happening all over the world, right? But now specifically, Wakanda has an additional threat. Where as you're reading it, you don't understand it. It could be a terrorist threat. It could be a civil war of its own. Right. Because the opening the opening couple of pages is him uh, and his soldiers firing upon his own citizens. Mm-hmm. Who are trying to attack the Black Panther, King uh, T'Challa, mm-hmm. and he's basically fighting off his own people, and he has this guard of uh, women. Uh, what's it? Uh, yeah, all female guard. Um, the Dora Milaje, I think. Yeah, is what it's called. I don't know how to pronounce that last part, but Milaje or Milaje, yeah, something so like that's that. That's the that's the guard supposed to guard him and like be this super the you know, royal guard. Yeah, the, super yeah, the royal lead, guard, the super lead team of female fight warriors. And a couple of them are kind of branching off and doing their own thing. So whatever yeah. happened, the shit's hit the fan and things are breaking apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because I'm not familiar with what's going on, I mean, I'm trying to quickly get caught up. That's that's an issue. Also, it's a first-time writer. All right? Yeah. It's a writer who's written... Very academic man. Yeah. I, mean, I think he wrote for The Atlantic regularly and some other, like, you know, magazines. He's done yeah. research, but... I think he uh, went to Harvard. And this is his first comic book. So. And um, I haven't read it yet, but I can see how somebody like that could... Maybe it takes him a couple issues to get into the swing of things. Yeah. In terms of figuring out how to write a comic book and dialogue and stuff like that. What I did like about it, clearly, without having you know figure some stuff out, is the artwork was was great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's maybe not ideal, but the art art was great for which is the next thing, the technology of the culture. This yeah. is a this is a I know it's not technically this. This is science fiction. This is not just kind of, this is I mean. Wakanda. And a lot of the Marvel Comics universe is science fiction. Once you get off of Earth with Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet and the Guardians of the Galaxy and Silver Surfer. and, and True. Um, I guess it's more because it's so futuristic and technological. Yeah. It's really come out to me. And I, and I think personally I seem to have an affinity for you know robotics and technology and that kind of thing. You know, I'm a big fan of Cyborg in the DC universe. And, uh, you know, same thing for, for the Wakandan culture, which... Which it says the Wakandan cult, at least in the, in the, in the comic, uh, Wakanda is the most technically advanced country, technologically advanced country on, on the Earth, planet. Yeah, you know, um, and you kind of see a little bit at the end of uh, uh, Civil War, the movie, you know, and how advanced—not just his suit, how advanced that is, but also just the facilities they have there in Wakanda. Yeah, uh, how it's just mixed in with the natural foliage and the and the waterfalls of the country. Um, so I think that balance between nature and technology is just appealing to me personally, and it's a really cool effect. Yeah, but it it also kind of like is, Gorilla City in the DC universe, it, it, right? Yeah, super advanced, but kind of uh, symbi- symbiotic with the jungle. Yeah, yeah. That, I guess this this is the Marvel version of that, um, and it's I think it's a it, it it speaks to me because it has its own challenge, where because it's so technologically advanced, and because of the vibranium resources underneath, it's it's a it's a a target, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, because they have almost all the world's vibranium except for like Captain America's shield and some other stuff scattered around. Yeah, yeah. So, and what that stuff can do is just amazing. Everybody's walking around with these like implants in their head, and, and yeah, <laughs> you know, they all can all like with a thought turn their suit on mm-hmm. and bring the suit and their mask on. You know. Yeah, that's cool. Which is a little different in in, in Civil War movie. Uh, T'Challa kind of presses some buttons and his mask comes off. You know. Mm-hmm. But like in the in the comics, it just 
comes on and off, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like with a thought or something, you know. So anyway, so yeah, you should read the comic, you know, read toward the end. There's there's some interesting like little love, you know, I don't want to say love triangles, but you know, things yeah, that are good romances and intrigue and stuff. Um, um, and definitely wants, wants me to continue reading it. I, I definitely want to read yeah. the rest. Um, while we're talking about new comics, I read Moon Knight number one. Mm-hmm. Did I talk about this last time? I, I'm going to say no. Just assume I'll no. just, well, I'll just be real brief just in case. Um, is it okay if I talk some spoilers for issue number yeah, one? Yeah, I'll go for it. I'll, I'll, I'll. Um, so Moon Knight wake, not wakes up, but he's introduced in a mental facility, um, where he kind of remembers his alter egos from the past, Jake Lockley, etc. Um, and Khonshu is like appearing to him as a vision as he always does, mm-hmm. who's the big bird skull. Right. Egyptian god that inhabits him and makes him Moon Knight and um, a bunch of stuff happens he escapes kind of doesn't know whether to trust if Conchu's real or not and then at the end it's heavily implied that he's just insane and none of this is true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I I don't know I don't think that's how it's going to turn out I don't think it's all going to be like saying elsewhere in his head you know yeah um, <laughs> did you just blow the whole show for me saying yeah. elsewhere yeah you didn't know that well. we've talked about this Remember we were talking about how every TV show is in the same universe? Because, okay. You know what? All right, that's fine. No, no, no. (laughs) No, I can't let this go. (laughs) Like, maybe I might have tried to forget it because I want to watch the whole series. That's that's fine. You mean St. Elster from the 80s, right? Yeah. And Denzel Washington was in it and stuff? Sure, I've never seen it. Okay. Um, So the end of St. Elsewhere, spoiler alert, for an (laughs) 80s TV show. Yeah, all right. (laughs) It turns out at the very last episode... It zooms out and it's like a like a snow globe or something, and it turns out the entire TV show, all however many ten or eleven seasons, took place in an autistic boy's imagination. Wow! And but the thing is that Saint Elsewhere crossed over with a bunch of TV shows, like like what? Um, let me look it up. I think so this, I don't... this you did. Yeah, you did start telling me this before, and I thought that was interesting. Was it because like the writers were the same, or um, what was the reason for that crossover? I don't, I don't know, but. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Tommy Westfall universe, the name of the autistic boy. Okay. Portrayed by Chad Allen in St. Elsewhere, um, who is autistic. As characters from St. Elsewhere have appeared on other television shows, and those shows' characters appeared on more shows and so on, a Tommy Westfall universe hypothesis was postulated by Dwayne McDuffie, where a significant amount of fictional episodic television exists within Tommy Westfall's imagined universe. Mm. Um examples let's see i'm gonna learn a lot here um the saint elsewhere character dr roxanne turner and dr victor Ehrlich appeared on homicide life on the street um by extension this hypothesis can be extended to series ranging from x-files to law and order and the simpsons etc etc so like a large portion of 80s and 90s television they're all connected via crossover mm-hmm. happened in this autistic boy's imagination like Homicide Life on the Streets with that same detective who appeared as the same character in X-Files, Homicide, and Law and & Order, and yeah. a bunch of other shows, yeah. Detective Munch. Yeah. So, um, and the X-Files crossed over with The Simpsons, The Simpsons crossed over with The Critic, etc., etc. Uh-huh. It all ha- it all ties back to saying elsewhere, Autistic Boy's Imagination. But how, okay, how does it officially... So it ties over just because of the characters that are in the show, but not because... The boy's thinking of all this. Oh well, I guess it would be if the boy thought of saying elsewhere. If everything in saying elsewhere happened in his mind, then the whole thing happened. Then everything mind. has to have happened in his mind, including X Files. Yeah, and The Simpsons, and Law and Order, and yeah. and all the Law and Order series have crossed over at some point. So Criminal Intent, SVU, etc. I like how I'm reacting to this like a little shocked, as if like, wait, it's all fiction? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> It's all in, from somebody's brain? What? <laughs> Somebody imagined all of it? Yeah. Can't be a writer. But yeah, so where okay. was I before I, I don't know. we we're, fell down the rabbit hole? <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about... See, I want to talk about Civil War, the movies. Uh, that's oh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So it's all um, like maybe happens in his brain like St. Elsewhere. Have you heard of St. Elsewhere? <laughs> <laughs> round and round. And um, I don't think I've read number two yet. I can't. I honestly can't remember. I thought you said, because you, you were excited in the hallway about number two, Moon Knight number two. Like, that's what you yeah. want to talk about. Uh, no, I don't think I've read it. 
But um, I did read Doctor Strange numbers six and seven. Okay. Where um, a highly advanced race known as the Empirical are destroying all the magic in the universe. Oh, no. One one Sorcerer Supreme at a time. So they've killed, I think they've killed all the Sorcerer Supremes except for Doctor Strange, who they're about to kill. Mm -hmm. Spoilers. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Spoilers for everything uh, starting now (laughs) and before now. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Have a note in the description of the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be all caps. Spoiler alert. Proceed with caution. Um, So the Empirical are killing all the Sorcerer Supremes and sucking the magic out of the world. Um and executing all these sorcerers under the under the charge of committing treason to science or something like that. Yeah. And um it's really good and Doctor Strange just kind of summoned all the leftover magic in the world and gave it to um this girl that showed up at his house and she's gonna try and save the world with Wong, his butler, I think. And yeah, it's it's really like good. A desperate reach, but okay. Jason Aaron. Yeah. yeah, it's very everything's very desperate. The empirical are pretty much all powerful at this point. Yeah, and we kind of get a little backstory in the most recent one, number seven, and it they kind of like get a sympathetic background story, like the Villanos does. Because mm-hmm. um, there's one guy that's in charge of the empirical, and he kind of was persecuted in the past for treason against magic. So now he's trying to get rid of all the magic. Yeah, um, in the world, and. Um, no, I'm sorry. I messed up the end. Not the end, but it was there was this one magician who was kind of dismissed as kind of a low-level magic guy and he works at a bar in the magic world. <laughs> and he was able to summon like he was saying, "Oh, like you think you've destroyed all the magic, but it knows where to hide. It knows when to hide and it knows where to hide." And he brings out this little magic dinky little magic wand. He's like, "And I haven't know where it hides." And he summons all the rest of it and he gives it to Doctor Strange, teleports him back into his house which is in the middle of being destroyed by the empirical and um so he has this one last ditch effort with the few remaining magicians and um magic people left in the world that's intense yeah it's really good jason aaron is an awesome writer everything he's done is awesome okay including this he's also he's working on a bunch of stuff right now including um the star wars series that's going on right which is pretty good and the star wars annual had some of the worst art I've ever seen, but it wasn't like once, and it took me a. It, it was the art is so mediocre that it took me a couple tries to read it. Yeah. But once I kind of got what was going on, like struggling through the terrible visuals, it, right. it's awesome. Yeah. And what else have I read? Dark Knight number four, Dark sorry, Dark Knight three, the Master Race number four. Got it. Um, the wow, what's the the Kryptonian city called? Candor, the lost city of Candor, right. which is uh, the city that one of the cities from Krypton right before it blew up was miniaturized and kept in a bottle. And um, the the Candorians have tricked Ray Palmer into growing them back to regular size. And they're all mad at Superman for keeping them in this bottle for their entire lives, this entire city of Candorians. So um, they're kind of destroying the world. Okay. and hating Superman and they're fighting him and he's refuses to hit back because it's actually his daughter with Wonder Woman who's leading them. Not leading them, but leading them by proxy of like one of the elders who kind of brainwashed her. Okay. And um, so Batman's kind of mounting a defense even though like it's kind of a long shot. But like Superman's on Batman's side now. Right. And um, it's really, really good. And it's kind of back Frank Miller back to his best. Good, good. Um, worried about that from what we talked about right? but it's also Brian Azzarello kind of fleshing out Frank Miller's crazy ideas okay. and mediocre writing right. and so like Brian Azzarello is pretty mediocre by himself and Frank Miller's pretty mediocre by himself now but the two of them together are fantastic and um, every issue Frank Miller does his own mini comic that he also illustrates and I cannot stand his artwork mm-hmm. it's garish it's ugly it's horrible mm-hmm. and it it should be illegal um, but he does a little really good mini comic at the end that focuses on one character in the universe. Like the first one was Adam. Most recent one was Green Lantern. And then, um, so, so those are kind of cool little glimpses like bonuses, into, yeah. into that character in that Frank Miller universe. Yeah. You kind of see how the characters would react by themselves. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I'll bring up really quickly, um, 
a comic called Nowhere Men, which um, is written by Eric Stevenson. And I'm bringing it up because uh, it's it's not bad. It's writing is such to where I'm looking forward to the next issue, but I haven't decided if I liked it yet. Right. Um, the the premise is kind of simple, but I, the reason I brought it up and I felt important right now is is it reminded me a little bit of Watchmen and how it's put together, which is saying a lot. I'm not saying it's as, as, as good as Watchmen, but um, there's a lot of background through these sort of like reports and like newspaper clippings that you know Watchmen has in it. Yeah, uh, that's in this comic. Um, it's basically these four scientists, four young men, and I don't know the, the time period. Looks like they're in the, in the 70s, and these these hotshot scientists that. Uh, are being interviewed in this press conference and they're like rock stars. Okay. We don't know exactly what they did to push them into celebrity status, but um, it just fast forwards to present day and they're all older men, you know, maybe, you know, late middle age, somewhere in there and um, dealing with whatever has happened in the past few decades, which was apparently a meteoric rise for their company called world corp. And then a couple of questionable, um, advances experiments that had left some people dead yeah and now they're splintering off one of them one of the four has just left altogether he's the most eccentric one um like the guy who did drugs all the time and he's just kind of spacey and he's meditating 20 23 hours a day you know um and then there's another guy who's just very power hungry and profit hungry Mm -hmm. and he thinks that certain deaths in the laboratory are acceptable losses uh and then a couple other guys that are that are kind of like the, the voice of reason for the group um, so whatever is happening, we don't know what's happening. We know it's dangerous. We know something has changed. Something has went wrong from you know their early days of idealism. Um, and I think that's why I want to read more of it because I want to find out how it all comes back together, yeah. fill in the blanks, and so forth. So the art isn't that great, um, unfortunately. But it's as you just said, like you know Frank Miller, just like you know the story and and that it's the page turn. Like if you just like any kind of book or story script comic whatever if it makes you want to turn the page you know if it makes you want to read the next issue or read the next chapter um that's decent writing yeah. so yeah it's called nowhere man and uh, i think it's still going on yeah this is a re i, I would just confess, this is my perspective again like you say you don't know much about the spurs or basketball yeah. this is me so um i think this is at tribe so there's a bunch of comics that they gave out for free it had nothing to do with free comic book day they just always have these things available. Yeah. And it's like uh, a little sampler book. Called, like, like, Image puts them out. I think Image is the one that puts all of them out. I'm not sure. Um, every every publisher has their own little selection. Their own se- okay. So this one says Image Firsts and it says a dollar, right? Yeah. But every store gives them out for free if you ask. So I think it is a reissue of a copy of a series that's an older one. And it's not an official first issue, of course. So if you're collecting yeah. these things, it's not going to count. Just a little taste. But a taste that it is. It seems to be a complete first issue, um, just to see if you like it. You know. So the guy who who illustrated that number one also illustrated the first six, and now they're on number seven, which came out in January. It seems like they have a pretty slow release schedule. Okay. And they have a new illustrator. Hope it's better. <laughs> Emmy Lennox. I don't know who Lennox. Not is. familiar. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, you yeah, move, move I don't know if there's anything else I've read recently of note. I don't think so. You want to just move into the movie? Oh, actually, there is. Oh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so a couple years, like five years ago, a video game came out called Injustice: Gods Among Us. Right, I'm familiar with it. Um, which had a really, really awesome story, kind of an alternative DC universe where Superman's kind of a dick and Batman's like kind of the really good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a reversal, of, not a reversal of roles, but a different take. Yeah. And so th- they actually released the story afterwards as a comic book series, which was Injustice Year One. Mm-hmm. And since then, they've had three more years. So they're, I think right now, they're working on Year Five. Wow. And I started Year One last night, and it's awesome. It's okay. really awesome. Um, just quick spoiler-ish sort sure. of thing for the first four issues of, like, 40. So, you know... Um, um, Joker kills Lois, and Superman goes crazy, and it's kind of kind of what you see in Batman v Superman, where there's right. a dystopian Superman soldier she, she army, Superman him. army, yeah. because of yeah. Lois, and like oh, Flash saying, "Oh, Lois, Lois is the, the key." key. Yeah. yeah. So am I too soon? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are Flash. That's a weird, <laughs> that's a weird thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm too soon. <laughs> I didn't know Flash had the ability to project 
future visions into Batman's dreams. How did he do that? <laughs> you know, speed um, can do everything. The uh, the answer is always Speed Force, speed force <laughs> and the answer will be Speed Force in tonight's Flash that I'm going to watch as soon as we're done with this. Which dire- directed by Kevin Smith? Yeah, yeah. All right, my best friend, <laughs> <laughs> my best podcast friend. Right. He doesn't know you yet, but he will. He will someday. Will. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's fantastic, mm-hmm. and it's weird because it was it's it was released in landscape orientation. Oh. Like the books, yeah, like flipped, yeah, um, which is weird. I think they changed that for year two. I think they just did that because it was they released it as a big book for the video game people, kind of to bring people over the comic side, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, it's really, really good. Highly recommend it. Okay, um, Injustice got it. Yeah, and just a quick rundown of what Civil War Two will be. Mm-hmm. It's uh, they find an inhuman who can kind of see crimes happen before they actually happen. Um kind of minority report style right i was gonna say but from what the marvel people are saying it's not like minority report that's just an easy thing to to compare it to Mm -hmm. and captain marvel saying oh well we can't react to crime before it happens whether or not we think we know it's going to happen and iron man is saying we totally can do that we can totally uh stop criminals before they become criminals yeah and that's where the conflict the seven-issue conflict will start from, and of course, there's going to be twenty or thirty tie-ins. Hopefully, why is Iron Man always doing always doing that? Why is he? <sighs> because he of learned? his insecurities. <laughs> Figure it out, man. God. Yeah, God. and a lot's happened since 2006. Like a bunch of reboots of the entire universe. I don't know if this is in the same canon as the 2006 event, but I maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll explain it. Hopefully, knock on wood. <laughs> How did you like the movie? Loved it. We haven't actually had a chance to talk about the movie. So. Loved it. Like, even off the recording. So, what did you love about it? Almost everything. Okay. Because you said almost. Now I'm curious. What did you not love about it? They could have shaved off 20 minutes. Why? I don't know. Some parts felt... Maybe it was because I was sitting next to an agitated little kid <laughs> who couldn't sit still for two minutes. Because his parents brought him to an adult movie. Right. Like fucking to idiots. The, to the state. The same and his, his, his 400-pound dad was fucking sitting there eating his disgusting food like a pig. Right. And it was obvious he'd never paid a single minute of attention to his poor child. So now this child's <laughs> manifesting his huge amount of energy in the movie theater that his dad forced him to... Like, really? You're going to tell a six-year-old to sit down for three hours, you piece mm-hmm. of shit? So most of your review is going to be about this kid. And I think I got that. all of it out just now. It okay. wasn't oh, the kid. It was. It, I'm not no. angry at the child for being a child. I'm yeah. angry at the dad and the mother for bringing their child to this movie theater. Right, right. The same folks that probably would take him to a Deadpool yeah. movie and be like, wow, this is kind of a lot of cussing and sex. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I actually thought it was... I, I, I didn't come out of it thinking like, oh, I wish it was shorter. Like I, I knew it was a long movie going in. And yeah. I, just, I, I, I don't wish it was shorter... I think it was the kid that, like, whenever it got slow, he started shaking in his chair, mm-hmm. and then I was getting frustrated with that, so maybe, I, th- I need to see it again. Okay. But I loved everything about it. Um, the only... It, like, it was perfect. Wow, well, okay. I may not go that far. But... It was per- no, no, it was perfect. All right. I actually didn't like how rushed the Sharon Carter thing was. Yeah. I can see that. that. That was something to kind of like, so basically he has this love for Peggy Carter. Yes, I know it's been a few years and get over it. Mm-hmm. And it seems kind of. Well, I think it caught him off guard too. It was just kind of a spur of the moment. Chemistry aligned. Everything went right. She was trying hard too, though. She was really helping out and kind of yeah. helping them do their, and their thing. Of course, it's a separate universe from the comics, but they've been on and off in the comics for as long as there's been both characters. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't think of it from that perspective because I knew they would end up together. Yeah. So I never even had a second thought about, oh, where did that come from? Like, of course, they're, they're kissing. Yeah. And then it cuts to, like, Falcon in the car. Like They had nice. a couple of funny moments in there, you know, yeah. which helped it out. I, my favorite part, of, I mean, I liked, I, I love the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. I really love the movie. Um if I had to rank it, probably with Marvel movies that have been released, yeah, no lower than number three. Oh yeah, um, possibly number one. Although I, at this point, unless I see it again, I might 
put the Avengers still at number one? I'd say I'll, I'm going to have to watch it again and really think yeah. about it and really do like a pros and cons list. But I'd say it might tie with Avengers at the very least number two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man. And that was my favorite part of the movie. Oh, he's perfect. Yeah, he's I mean, so perfectly good. cast. He's so perfectly good. Perfectly inserted into the story. So good. I'm okay with uh, Aunt May being younger and sexy. I'm really okay with that. Yeah. It's not like she's super young. And it makes yeah. more sense that she'd be younger because she's his aunt, not his grandma. Right. And he's like 16 anyway, so what if she's in her 40s? You know, like, Yeah, what is Mer- She's like 53, 54? Yeah, I think so. You can look that up while we talk. Um and I think it's just perfect how they bring Spider-Man in after about six months. On 51. Sh- 51. Okay. I, super hot 51. All right. Super hot. Um, <laughs> so, and, and, then the, and, and of course, uh, the Tony Stark is seeing that, you know, himself. I'm like, yeah. hey, Aunt May. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, but he's there to, to and I, you know, recruit Spider-Man. But in a way, kind of get in touch with this young character. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to blow this up in, in the movie Homecoming when it comes out anyway. Yeah. But it's a perfect dab of spider-man that enhances the movie so much especially during the fight sequence yeah you know he talks when he won't shut up and that's yeah. the thing that the other movies didn't understand about spider-man is that he does talk a lot and he is one of the more quippy superheroes mm-hmm. he's one of the funnier superheroes and he's one of the guys that doesn't take himself seriously at all right yeah he and they nailed it i mean they yeah. completely nailed it they, we've never seen a comic book Spider-Man on screen before. Like I personally liked Tobey Maguire. Me too. I liked those two movies. The one complaint is that the special effects were kind of cheesy because Sony. I mean, yeah, Sony. Sony always kind of drops the ball on special effects. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and Doctor Octopus was a great villain, and uh, Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe was awesome. Right. And it was pretty true to the true to the page, Green Goblin, I think. Right. And um, but this is the first time we've seen a Peter Parker A that's true to the comics, and also a Spider Man B that's true to the comics. Right. Yeah. And and it, it melded perfectly with with what was going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that was the highlight for me, and there were so many highlights. I'm glad that Ant Man became Giant Man. Yeah. You know? Which was rumored, but I was still so happy when I saw that. Yeah. When he was like, I think there's something I can do. And I'm like, yes, he's going to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's talking about it. Yeah. He says, I've only done it once, and I passed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, I think that, I mean, the, the casting, you know, we, we I can... Wait, I'm, I'm, before we get off yeah. of Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see the most recent Legends of Tomorrow? No. Leviathan? No. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> dang it. I've been... Okay, I have a new girlfriend, y'all, so I've been spending time with her and not watching shows. So, my bad. She supposedly likes that kind of stuff, so uh, she, no, excuse. no excuse. No excuse. No excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. She does. Maybe she'll be a guest on the show someday. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and she, she has her, her own podcast, so we might be a guest on hers because I'm going to invite ourselves. Do you know what it's called? Uh, one of Us. All right. Go listen to One of Us. One of us. If you only have time for one show, listen to this one. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But they do they do like uh, specific, mostly movie reviews. Okay. Um, but um, I think they also interject some some other stuff on there because they have like a website, so they do more than just. One. So how much are we getting paid for this plug? I'm getting paid. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> wink, wink. Is that um, an offer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So no, um, I have not seen Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I haven't caught up. I'm gonna caught up on all that stuff, especially Flash. I really want to see the Kevin Smith one you know that which is coming yeah. out yeah have you seen the f- flash before this one tonight no, no. jesus no i'm like th- i'm like three behind on everything so uh, yeah okay. well anything i say about the kevin smith will spoil something huge in the last one so i'm not going to say anything okay all right okay I'll, I'll work on it i got a few days so uh anyway what i did see was civil war and I, as I told, I, I texted you this before you saw it because we saw it at different times. Think of it as a Captain America movie, not an Avengers movie. Yeah. And yes, the Civil War is very much a subplot. Yes. Yes. A big subplot, but it's still not the main plot of the story. It's not. You know, so all the the uh, introductions of character, like you know Spider Man and uh, Black Panther, mm-hmm. the the development of like Vision and Scarlet Witch and that kind yep. of stuff. Um, 
it feels like it's about to be an Avengers movie. Yeah. But it's not. And that's it's the thing not. you just kind of and I don't call, I don't consider that a flaw. Okay. No, it's not. It's one of those It's not with, Avengers Civil War. It's Captain America Civil War. So but when they bring it back to where it's just Bucky and Captain America off to find, you know, what Zemo's doing with these, you know, yeah. super soldiers, you're like, "Oh right, this is a this is a Steve Rogers movie, you know." Yeah. Um and and that in a way um I know the villain is, is Zemo and I thought they did a good job, but it's yeah. it's Tony Stark that's right. really the villain. Yeah, uh, misunderstood. But he gets his comeuppance at the end, you know. Yeah, yeah, he does. He gets to redeem himself. And I, I must say this: I think there's such a similarity. I don't think it was intentional between Zemo as the villain in this Civil War movie. Yeah, and Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman. Yep, there were a lot of similarities between the two movies, and I've got to say, Civil War clearly did a much better job. Right. Yeah. As much as I was able to reconcile Batman v Superman in my head mm-hmm. and enjoy it for what it was, yeah, I wish it was this right. for DC. I with I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Oh. And I'm going to say it again. I've said it a million times, and I almost kind of retracted it after Batman v Superman. Zack Snyder is not the man that should be in charge, right. and this proves it. Whatever you thought of Batman v Superman, I personally liked it quite a bit. Right, there were a ton of flaws, ton yeah. ton of flaws. Um. It just it could be in better hands. We'll save that convo for under the day. Yeah, I, I, I think it's all right. Um, yeah, not saying it's really bad. No, I'm not saying you're saying it's bad. I just I, I think but it's just a different style. Like okay, with the comparison I was making, they just go ahead, go ahead. Art is subjective, right? But it clearly could be better. It, nothing's in clear, the same style that they in, in the same assessment. arbitrary style that they picked. If you want to go gritty, look at Deadpool. Deadpool's very violent, very dark, also very funny, which are the three things that Batman v Superman were trying to do, and they f- they did not do it as well as they could have. Batman v Superman it was not in any way trying to be a funny movie. Um, then why did they throw in like five terrible jokes throughout the movie? Oh, that's con- no, that's okay. Deadpool is a comedy, right? That happens to have some violence and those. It's pure comedy. Deadpool. Okay. Batman v Superman is not a comedy. And okay. You might have some moments to relax. But- okay, but that's not my point. Okay. Is that they picked a style and they stuck to it and that's fine but they could have done that better and also they could have made a better movie and also they could have made a better man of steel and also everything that they do could be better but it's not because they picked Zack snyder who's a piece of shit director <sighs> all right all right all right we're going to do the same same thing okay so all i was saying is that the lex luther character with what his plan was yeah um was similar in feel when i saw what zemo was up to at the end and I was like, well, the, yeah. only, the only difference between the two is how they reacted after. Lex Luthor, of course, wants to continue to live and do things and be Lex Luthor, yeah. regardless of what happens. Actually, if they had done what Civil War did, which was not actually have there be a final ultimate villain, um, Baron Zemo was the villain that just brought them together. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, in Batman v Superman, they, there actually was, which was Doomsday. Yeah. And kind of... I agree. No, I agree with that. Like, I think. It, go ahead. Finish. During Civil War, when they're hinting that all these super soldiers are going to be the final bad guy, I was kind of dreading it. I was like, "Oh, I can't go. believe they're doing this." And then it turns out, oh no, they're kind of leading you along, and what they're actually doing is really fresh and really good. Right. And, and that's that's the difference. And I, I do agree with you. I think Civil War is a better story than Batman v Superman. Yeah. So I, I don't disagree there. But Regardless saying, of style. Yes. What I was saying, the similarity is that Zemo and Luther found a way to pit the big heroes of their universes against each other. Yeah. Period. And they did it in, in very, very clever ways. And I think Warner Brothers is stupid for um, trying to do the same thing that they knew Marvel was going to do. Try to outdo Marvel on their on their home turf because that's never going to happen. All right. So Comics or movies. You can send your hate mail to <laughs> Lewis Podcast <laughs> at gmail dot com. I agree with you on that. Uh, I mean, I yeah, yeah. I think they'll be fine with that. You know what's really impressive? Um, the two directors, the Russo brothers, mm-hmm. for Winter Soldier and Civil War. Um, Winter Soldier was their first action movie. Mm-hmm. The only real movie that they had directed, their directorial debut was. Um, I'm looking for it on IMDb. You, Me, and Dupree with Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. I saw parts of that movie. That was their directorial debut, and they had, didn't really direct anything of note until Winter Soldier. Yeah. Except for, obviously, they directed, I think, half... Community, right? Of the first three seasons of Community. Yeah. Which, oh my God, so right. good. Right. 
Um, and they got some taste of action and comedy action in there yeah. with the paintball episodes, the, the infamous paintball episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Civil War's story, I think what impressed me the most about Civil War, why it may be, it may be the top Marvel movie for me. Yeah. Like I said, definitely top three, is all these characters mm-hmm. are in there, developed, some are introduced. Yeah. And that's all a subplot. Yeah. And it makes sense as a sub as a subplot. The the that story is, is clear, and then the main story mm-hmm. is crystal clear as it goes. Yeah. So you got two stories going on. What's I don't know, sixteen characters, whatever you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got several characters. Everybody gets their screen time and their moments. Yeah. And you come out of it going like, dang, that okay? Yeah, I I yeah, understand. I totally Captain get Rogers. it. I get everybody's. They've they've explained this in less than an hour, and I understand everybody's motivations, and it all makes sense, and it all is justifiable. Yeah, and it's not predictable. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. So sometimes that's the danger mm-hmm. where you give everybody their time and space. You have you know not just one but two stories, and and it's not predictable. And you you know you you throw a twist in there, knowing like, hey, we may, you know, I I don't I don't think actually think we're going to lose anybody with that. Yeah. Um, but it takes it just takes creative power and courage to do that. Yeah. Um, what I was saying in the comparison with Luther and Zemo is that Zemo just wanted to kill himself. He was just doing this mm-hmm. not for some sort of ego, egomaniac sort of reason. Yeah. It was to get back at what happened to Sokovia. Yeah. This family, whatever, being you know, lost. Which I said Anything. almost perfect. I think they could have used. They could have been more faithful to the Zemo character from the comics. That's the one character that kind of they changed his yeah. origin and everything. I don't think he's done. Remember at the end when well, um, in Bilbo- the comics he's a Nazi. He's a former Nazi. But how do we know? And that's what I'm saying. Like Bilbo Baggins was interviewing him. <laughs> yeah, with a very impressive American accent. I like the American accent. I thought Martin Freeman did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, that totally caught me off. I've never heard him do an American accent before, and he nailed it. Ever. Yeah, and he didn't do any sort of Martin Freeman isms. Yeah, with the he way he kind of looks off. Dead and like, serious. It was you know, crazy. Kind of like. Looks at the camera like office style. He doesn't yeah. <laughs> do. He didn't do any of that. He was just your your American bad, not bad guy, but hard, you know, bad cop. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's gonna be. I don't know anything about that character. He's from the comics, but he's uh, from the. He's has something to do with Black Panther. I don't think he's a bad guy. No, I'm just he's a, like a bad cop. Right, like, right. Like the the hard, very serious. Yeah, the good guy, but just you know the, the serious guy. Um, but he says or. or Something about to Zemo about like, well, how'd that plan work out? You yeah. know, like this whole thing. <laughs> and Zemo is just like, well, I forgot what he said, but something like, well, it's not over. Or yeah. Maybe, are you sure it didn't work out? You know? Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You get a look from Freeman's character and, and then it cuts to something else. So I don't think that's the end of Zemo. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe, and I'm hoping too, because I do know a little bit from the cartoons about Zemo. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as you do with the comics, but I, I do know that he has some background as a Nazi, whatever. They might change the, the Nazi thing because that might be overdone. Yeah. But I definitely think he's going to have a deeper um, thing than just revenge. Although, I mean, he was willing to kill himself, if that's true, and Black Panther didn't save him and just, you know, put him in, in charge of the authorities, then, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe yeah. he was just a one-off. But, um, but th- again, that's the difference between Lex Luthor and that Luthor had this plan to pit people against each other, but he, he wasn't going to kill himself. He, he wanted more power. Yeah. Um, but, but Zemo is a more relatable sort of villain because... Like, really, if we're going to believe Zemo is not any more developed than what we saw in the movie, yeah. there really wasn't a villain. Right. Winter Soldier did the most of all the bad things in there, but he was a... He didn't really kill anybody, though. No, I'm saying... Well, I mean... Under his own volition. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, so, I, I mean, I'm spoiler alert, okay, coming up in a second, of course, we, we've given already a lot, is is he killed Stark's parents. Right. Okay. And this was back in 91, but whatever. Yeah, that was like the last straw. Yeah, so... That was something. I mean, so there's several things that Winter Soldier has done in the past. That's, that's his. That's his career, right? Mm-hmm. Is some bad things, but you really wouldn't consider him a villain because he was programmed to do it. Yeah. Zemo, as we talked about, surely the villain of the movie. If you're talking about just the plot, yeah. Um, was doing it because his empire fell, his family fell. Mm-hmm. He was sad. Yeah. You know, he wasn't out to hurt people just to do it. He just didn't think it was fair that the Avengers could come in destroy you know not not intentionally but save the world by destroying his country mm-hmm. and walk off scot-free yeah so you kind of understand Zemo, you yeah. know um so is he a villain sure by definition but you you can sympathize 
Tony Stark, as I said, is maybe the villain of the movie because of that's the Civil War issue. You know, that is why Civil War exists. Yeah. It's first his idea about the Registration Act, but also his just irrational, emotional thing against Cap for keeping a secret for him, which Cap meant to do it in a nice way or something. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all these people are, are people that really, in the end, didn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. They've just been hurt themselves and they're reacting. Yeah. There are a lot of stuff from the, there was a lot of stuff from the trailer that appeared a certain way in the trailer and was in the movie completely different. Like mm-hmm. they kind of pulled the rug out from under you. And I think that's good because it kind of gives you one expectation. Then when you get the movie, you realize, oh, I'm, I don't know anything that's going to happen. Yeah. With the whole like we were like we were friends like, or whatever and, and i want to punch you in your perfect teeth like that was a whole different context in the movie than it was in the trailer right right and much think, less menacing it was very friendly it's talking about uh what yeah captain america talks about winter soldier like you know he's my friend yeah that's why he's doing that mm-hmm. and then uh tony stark says i was your friend yeah right? and you're thinking like really he's arguing about the registration act with, yeah. you know what is it that serious mm-hmm. you know but you realize in the context of the movie at the end of the movie yeah that's and why. they took audio from one part and played over visuals from another part. Yes. So yes. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And um, I think the one thing that this movie had, the reason it was so good, is I think they kind of learned their lesson from Age of Ultron. I think Avengers, they kind of let Joss Whedon do his thing, and it was an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. And then Avengers 2, they, like all a lot, right? shitty execs do, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I know what to do now. I saw what was successful, and I know what... So they they make they they look at the edit that the director gives them and they're like oh we need a joke here mm-hmm. and we need a joke here and we need this here and then it just gets like into a kind of a choppy mess right. and I loved Age of Ultron but I can see what people didn't like about it mm-hmm. lots of forced jokes not as coherent as the first one um, and I think that was because I mean Joss Whedon's never done anything bad by his, on his own volition right. he's never where he's in charge he's never put out anything anything bad anything. Right. Until Age of Ultron, because Disney execs want to put their sticky, grubby, shitty fingers into the process. Yeah. And I think, I good on Disney for kind of stepping back and realizing that for this movie, and taking two very talented directors that have done some of the best stuff in television and mm-hmm. in movies, and... Um, and trusting them, and trusting with this. them yeah. with the first one, and even more so with this one. Who directed Ant Man? I know that seems out of the blue, but it was supposed to be the guy who directed Hot Fuzz. Um, okay, and you can see a lot of his influence in the script and in some of the stuff that they kind of stole. That yeah. when he was still involved with the storyboarding, like um, in the heist when he's stealing, initially stealing the suit. Right. Um, it's very. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember his name. Yeah, that's but um, Ant Man was directed by Peyton Reed. Okay. Okay. I. Oh. Um. So in so the Russo brothers directed Community. We've said that numerous times. Um, in Winter Soldier, I didn't know this at the time because I hadn't seen Community yet. But one of the main characters from Community made a pretty cool cameo in Winter Soldier as one of the guards of the ship, mm-hmm. um, or one of the army guys or something. I saw it on YouTube. I don't know the context. But um, when Tony Stark is doing his speech at Harvard or wherever, at MIT maybe. MIT in this movie. Yeah. That, like the dean from Community. Yeah. He right. was the guy kind of asking for money when oh, when he walks off stage. Right. Right. See, <laughs> I didn't catch that. I and it was couple... the same character. Okay. Maybe not in name, but it was the same characteristics of the guy. So it was really cool to see that. I think uh, a couple of folks in the audience caught that because I saw some reactions. I heard some reactions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just didn't understand. Like, was I supposed to know that guy? I don't know. You know? Yeah, you were. Yeah, well, I'll watch it. <laughs> catch up with that. I need to watch Supernatural, though, because my girlfriend watches that show. And I've seen uh, first season of Supernatural. I think you should start with Community if you want to really? go quality oh, first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's it for me. Yeah. I think that's it. It's All been right. almost uh, almost an hour. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, check out our other podcasts on the Lewis Podcast Network. Same RSS feed as this one. Mm-hmm. My name uh, is Eric. I've been Lee. And uh, thanks for listening to What's Good.